Live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Debt Discussion for another Monday night. It is October 16th, 2017. We're halfway through the month already. <clears throat> Hard to believe. It, uh, State Fair of Texas will be over on Sunday here, and it runs for four weeks. It's hard to believe. Seems like it just started uh, a week ago. <clears throat> but... Uh, Time is going fast. We'll be doing Pumpkin Day, and then it won't be long after that, and we're all going to be feasting on turkey or ham or whatever we do on that weekend. So I want to uh, welcome everybody and tell everybody that this is Dallas Debt Discussion, keyword discussion. We discuss debt issues. We discuss solutions for people that are dealing with the debt collection industry, We help people understand the consumer protection statutes uh, relating to debt, excuse me, in large part, uh, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, Fair Credit Reporting Act, and the Telephone Consumer Protection Act are the main ones that we focus on. But we work with the information that is in Jesse's website, and he also deals with foreclosures. Uh, He has been very successful in winning three foreclosure trials on his own properties and when they had the notes there. So uh, he obviously knows what he's doing, but uh, Jesse's website has a a ton of information in it on how to deal with your credit reports, uh, Terry has got a whole lot of information that she's put in there as far as webinars and uh, information, documents, and everything. <clears throat> There's information there on the TCPA, the FDCPA, how to protect your assets, uh, how to make yourself judgment-proof. There's lots of good information there. And to get to Jesse's website, all you have to do is open a browser and type in knockoutcollectors.net. It'll take you right there. Don't just do a search for that. That'll create more confusion and it'll help you. Just type in K-N-O-C-K, Out Collectors. That's T-O-R-S. And that'll take you right to Jesse's site. Uh, it is not free because there's a full-time webmaster. It costs money for websites, but uh, the membership fee is $99 for the first month and $49 per month after that. And if people want to, they can share a membership with someone else because there are two IP addresses per membership. That way you can get your costs down to literally $24.50 a month. And we have a number of people that do that. Terry is the one that helps coordinate the sharing on that. But I have somebody looking for one right now. So Okay. So if there's somebody out there that's interested in the membership and uh, they want to share it, uh, get a hold of uh, Terry. Uh, her email address is queensongbird at gmail.com. Again, that's queensongbird, one word, at gmail.com. Just say uh, uh, want to share a membership. That's all you got to do is uh, put that in your subject line and she'll know what you're talking about. But uh, as I said, this is Dallas Debt Discussion. We don't give legal advice for several reasons. One, we don't know what it is. Two, only lawyers are able to give that. And three, if we told people we were giving legal advice, we'd be lying, and we don't do that. 
if we know the answer to a question that somebody has, we'll say we have the answer. If we don't know the answer to something, then we'll say, geez, you know, I'm not really sure about that or I don't know the answer to that, but you might want to go here or there or wherever to find the information that you need. That's the key thing. You're not going to get a load of BS here to make it sound like we're all important, all knowing that we have all the answers, because we don't. We're not experts. But uh, John and Terry, who are the other moderators on this call, uh, are all. we are all litigants. We all litigate in federal court. Uh, we have uh, substantial litigation experience. Each one of us does. And uh, does it mean that we've covered all nooks and crannies in federal litigation? Of course not. But we have substantial experience. I have some experience that Terry ha doesn't have. Terry has stuff that John doesn't have. John has stuff that I don't have. Uh, so the, the bottom line is collectively we have a lot of experience and knowledge, but we don't know it all. So please understand that when we give you answers to questions here, it's based on our personal knowledge or the, the having experienced what it is we're talking about ourselves or through an awful lot of study, not just something we read on the Internet. <clears throat> That's the age-old thing. Oh, well, you know, read it on the Internet. It must be true. Well... There's a whole lot of stuff on the Internet that's BS, I think, as any reasonable person realizes at this point in time. But the bottom line is we don't give legal advice. We discuss these issues. This is all about education. This is about helping people stand up for their rights who desire to do so. And not everybody has that desire. We fully understand that. <clears throat> some people are up for the challenge. Some are not. And uh, we have people that uh, uh, we are associated with that uh, if somebody needs some help in, uh, on certain things and they don't feel they want to tackle it themselves, uh, they would rather have somebody else handle things for them. We generally, uh, in many cases, can make some referrals on, on getting that kind of help. But uh, we advocate doing it ourselves, uh, if at all possible, because we need to stand, learn to stand up for our own rights instead of always depending on somebody else to protect us. It's about you taking care of you. The, uh, this world that we live in, unfortunately, has got too many people shirking their self-responsibility. And uh, we're trying to help assist people in uh, them taking responsibility for their situations and their actions by giving them knowledge, helping them obtain knowledge. And uh, that's all that this call has ever been about. It's always been your call. It's not my call. I just make it happen on Monday nights. That's the bottom line. Now, the way TalkShoe works is very simple. You are unmuted when you come on this call. So if you don't mute yourself in some form or fashion and you turn the TV up, we're going to hear it. And very honestly, we don't want to hear your TV. So when you come on this call, I ask that everybody mute themselves. You can do that by hitting star six on the keypad on your phone. And that is a toggling feature. If you hit star six when, after you come on, it'll say, you are muted. If you hit star six again, it'll say, you are unmuted. It's just back and forth toggling. 
to put your hand up in the queue to ask a question or make a comment during the call, the way you do that is star 8. Please have yourself muted using star 6 first and then hit star 8. That saves me a step on the board so that I don't have to uh, uh, unmute you or mute you and then unmute you to uh, get you to fall out of the queue. But the bottom line is uh, we're here to help people. We always start out with good news. The reason we do that is very simply we want to hear about good things that are happening with people. Uh, you don't have a day that goes by that you hear about all the bad stuff, the nonsense, the Antifa nonsense, the anti-Confederate nonsense, the shootings here, there, and everywhere, the, the riots in this place and that place. And I'm not just talking in the United States either. I'm talking worldwide. So uh, we need to hear as much good news as we can. And if anybody has any good news, all you have to do is go ahead and speak up. You do not need to uh, hit star eight and put your hand up. So if anybody's got any good news for us tonight, let's hear it. Well, I got the so-called response from TransUnion. And uh, all that was, uh, well, you know, we don't know that you are that person. So fill out this form and send us your driver's license and your social security number and a and a utility bill, and then we'll send you your credit report. No, I think not. So immediately the that very next morning, I went and sent the second letter off to them. Then today, I got the exact same request from Experian, except they didn't give me a form. They just said, we don't believe you are who you say you are, and please send us what I already sent them. So that's ready to go off in the mail tomorrow. <laughs> well, all three of them, the second response letter has now been sent. Well, I sent all three of my second letters out, and they they were all received the end of last week. Well, you know, it's weird because... With with uh, Equifax, I got their first ridiculous letter a couple days after the green card came back to me. Uh-huh. Then I got that second really silly credit report or response to dispute, which there never was a dispute, you know, um, a, a day or so after that. Well, with Experian and TransUnion, I still didn't even get the green card back. I just sent those. Well, it it took the uh, better part of three weeks for me to get my green card back for Experian. And they're about eight miles from me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the Postal Service uh, was on the ball getting things on, on the way out. I sent them out last week. And uh, I believe I, I remember seeing that all three of them were delivered uh, on Friday. Yeah. On the 13th. So um, Friday the 13th, that was their lucky day. That was their notice of going to get sued if they don't give me my... Uh, well, and uh, that that little video that uh, Kirby sent us earlier today... Yes, the HBO video. That, I mean, that one, 
is just spot on. So <laughs> I'm going to um, send that out this week when I send out the after call uh, email on Thursday night. Because, as you all know, because of my uh, internet, um, lousy internet service, I really can't do much with, with, I don't watch YouTubes and stuff because I'm using up my my internet service for the month. But this one, it was worth it. Every single second of it. If, as bad as things are, if you have to accept the damage that's been done, and we do, you might as well have a good laugh while you're doing it. And I really got a good laugh out of that one, sad as it is. Yeah, so you I'm hit the nail right on the head numerous times. Oh, my goodness, no kidding. One thing I really did enjoy, though, was that one senator uh, at the, uh, or congressman, I'm not sure which he was, uh, at the hearings, with Equifax's CEO. Now that was riot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that the pause. Yeah. <laughs> the pause before an answer. Well, and the look on the CEO's face like, yeah. okay, egg everywhere. Yeah. What are Do you I really say? need to respond to that? <laughs> what was he going to say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Terry will... Uh, send the the link for that out and uh i'm sure most of you will get a good laugh out of it but he does hit the nail right on the head uh oh yeah a lot of various things but uh yeah it's uh it's crazy what's going on out there i mean i feel for the people in california with the uh, wildfires out there uh there's still uh, the death toll the last i read today was up to 40 and there's still Many, many people, 100, 200, 300 people missing out there. I know, it's horrible. In, in some of those places, the uh, the fires were moving so fast, people just couldn't escape. They just absolutely got caught in the fire. They, they got burned up in the fire. They could not escape. It came in that fast. They had winds running 50 miles an hour. So the fire was coming in on them at 50 miles an hour. Well, and also, in some of those areas, I didn't realize it, they quite literally um, got no notice whatsoever, and it swept in in the middle of the night when people were sleeping. And they never would have had a chance, even if they could have been warned, and it was just too fast. They couldn't have been. Yeah. Yeah, and there was uh, there was a story of the one couple that uh, survived by jumping in their neighbor's pool and staying submerged, just coming up for uh, they had wet T-shirts put over their face to to uh, keep the uh, the flying embers and and stuff uh, off of them. But they would come up and get a breath of air and then duck back down and hold their breath and stay underwater as long as they did. They did that for six hours. I would have done that in the creek or in my yeah. little pool. I'm telling you, that's exactly what I would have done. Yeah, they, uh, um, but they, I believe they were in their 70s, 60s or 70s. They were an older couple. 
Yeah, but they really jumped in their neighbor's pool, and that's how they survived the fire, the firestorm that came through there. The, the really sad one, there was a couple, uh, the husband was 100 and she was 98, and they just celebrated their 75th wedding anniversary, and they were lost in the fire together. And, uh, you know, the family said the only thing that would have been worse would have been if one of them had survived, you know, yeah. and I have to agree that with that, but I mean, how horrendously sad, I mean. Yeah, what what a way for your life to end. Wow, I just, you know, the loss that those families have been through, and people don't stop and think. Uh, I was watching some young mothers who, you know, were, yeah, they're safe and their families are safe, but... After a, a hurricane or a, a tornado or something like that, you go back and you sift through the rubble and, you know, and you get whatever is salvageable. You can find some things. Right. But there's nothing to sift through when everything is ash. And, you know, we all have our family photos, you know, um after my mother died, the night my mother died, we were robbed and someone stole all our family photos in a box out of the van. And I know what it feels like to lose generations of memories that cannot be replaced. You know, baby pictures and and ancestors and records and, you know, all those kinds of things that you just don't have time to save from a fire yeah well it is a horrendous situation out there I'll tell you between those and then the uh, the hurricanes that we had in Texas and Puerto Rico and Florida and stuff it's uh, it's been quite a year to say the least for natural disasters and uh, we're not done yet nope we still have two and a half months to go and all this stuff, this bad stuff that's happened, has happened in the last six weeks. Three yeah. hurricanes and, and these fires in six weeks. So uh, I don't know. You know, it's. Uh, but we as a country, we as Americans are strong. We will survive. We will move on. I mean, you know, everything. I mean, and, and of course, you know, you got Las Vegas that was thrown in with all that as well. So. Uh, it, you know, like I said earlier, we want to hear the good news because there's there's plenty of the uh, the stuff that isn't good. Um, one little bit of good news that that uh, I have is that I found last week where uh, the MDL in California, where all my Midland cases are, um, they had the one. The original class actions, why they formed the MDL, were taken out there, and they settled that. There was a, a lot of people that opted out of it, but then they continually keep adding cases. They, they are currently adding cases to that MDL, and now they are setting up another class action for these newer people that have had violations since the original class action, the uh, deadline for that. 
and they uh, what's interesting is they uh, they have lead uh, uh, counsel and uh, liaison or, or uh, you know interim uh, lead counsel and liaison counsel. Uh, the attorneys for that had to uh, make a status report to the court for a uh, status hearing on September 15th, which, of course, was just a month ago. And they put that status report in on September 1st. They filed it with the court on September 1st. And uh, very interestingly, in that status report, they talk about a certain individual that has a bunch of cases in that MDL, and his name is David Mack. And they say that his cases require special handling. And that they recommend that the court remand all of those cases back to the original jurisdiction for consolidation and trial because it would be very very burdensome to the, the attorneys and all the other plaintiffs in that MDL for them to have to deal with my 100-plus cases individually, which they would have to do. And, of course, it would never occur to them to just clean up their act. Well, no, this is the plaintiff's attorneys. This is the plaintiff's attorneys that said this. This isn't... Oh, no, uh, I meant meant with them adding more and more cases, still cases coming in, trying to toss them back into the MDL. No, the, the obvious solution of, you know, clean up your act, that is not... Don't violate the law, and then there, there's no more cases that come in. Yeah. How, how simple is that? But wait a minute. Compliance with the law is cost prohibitive. Litigation exactly. is simply a cost of doing business. Exactly. So uh, anyway, I am waiting for an order, and uh, I was going to. I, I ended up having to go out and do my walk right before the call tonight. And uh, uh, maybe, depending on what how we're doing here tonight, I may uh, multitask here and go into the uh, docket in uh, uh, California and see if the court has issued an order yet regarding this. And uh, if that order is is uh, in fact made by the court, that'll be music to my ears because that means all my cases will be coming back to Texas where I can start dealing with them accordingly. And then the fun will really begin. A lot of work. Yeah. An awful lot of work. But uh, I'll be that much closer to uh, getting a resolution. And the resolution is what I seek, whether it be before a jury or whether they want to settle with me. It's going to be strictly their choice. But... uh, they're going to have a very ugly situation to deal with if they don't settle with me. Let's just put it that way. It's going to be a situation I really have serious doubts that they want to deal with, but we'll find out. Uh, that's that's going to be up to them. But either way, uh, I'm very encouraged just with the fact that uh, uh, the attorneys, the plaintiff's attorneys, made that recommendation to the court. And, of course, the court knows very well that I do not want my cases in the MDL. And uh, I did not see any oppo- any filing of an opposition from the defendant to 
those cases being remanded. That's one of the important things. There was nothing and nothing uh, in their status report uh, from the uh, defendant's side arguing against that, hmm. which is very positive in my in my view. So you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Yep, time will tell. So. Anyway, uh, we do have somebody with a hand up, as I said earlier. The way this works is if you have a question, you hit star 8. That will put you in the queue, and we can take your question and uh, hopefully be able to give you an answer. And by the way, good evening, Sir John. John was a little late joining us, but he is here, as usual. Uh, I'm right here. Right here. Yeah. Waiting to oh. hear about your case, Dave. Waiting yeah. to hear about your case. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm. Well, I can't wait till I read an order that says that those cases are to be remanded back to the original jurisdiction, the Eastern District of Texas. Just I'll, out I'll of my song. Just out of curiosity, it would be interesting to hear whether or not the um, the paid lawyers. Um, actually did any discovery or anything and whether or not they shared that information with you. Because they should, if they're going to chuck you out of the MDL, they should at least you know, give you something for the period of time you were in there. And if they don't share the information with you, they're interfering with your case. <laughs> I've thought about that. I don't Tortious know if I'm going to get anything. Because well, see, what they're doing, yeah, what they're doing now is these attorneys, part of what was in this status, and then there was a proposed order on what they were going to be doing uh, that was filed with the court uh, last week as a follow-up to the status conference. And uh, that explained what the uh, these attorneys would be doing in discovery. They would be going forward and doing discovery. But mm-hmm. the discovery that was done previously for the initial class action, well, yeah, I, I should be able to uh, be privy to that. They should provide that with you or else it's a denial of due process. You were you qualified to be thrown into the MDL category for for that litigation. The court found that you belong there. So if you belong there, you should be entitled to the benefits of being there, which is discovery. Being there, unlock the, unlock the key to discovery, and you're entitled to whatever discovery is there. And if the lawyers don't share that with you, then um, you know they would be denying due process, but you might have to file something in there to demand it. Yeah, I'm thinking I probably would. And they failed to meet and confer, didn't they? <laughs> Didn't they? they failed to meet and confer on everything with me, but I right. don't think I, I, those those processes are different in the MDL, the, the well, MDL proceedings. But but you're still, you know, it's a denial of due process, and maybe the court needs to find out that proceeds don't belong in MDLs. Now think about what that would do to Midland. Just think about that. Oh the boy, court wouldn't needs that to wrestle them. with that issue, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that frost them? You could appeal the order because they failed to meet and confer and the court denied you due process, blah, 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 blah. And just, you know, <laughs> think about it. Anyway, mm-hmm. sorry, sorry to interrupt with good news. No, no, that's all right. That's all right. Well, we'll just uh, 
We'll wait and see what's going on. When I get a chance here, I'll do a little searching. But let's go to Dewar. You are unmuted. Go ahead with your question. Hi. A couple of questions. Is there a way to win against Capital One in state court if you're the defendant? Well, there's people that have. It just depends on what the situation is. depends on... Uh, what evidence they've provided and how you've handled the case, what uh, what discovery you do, you know, how you pursue it. Okay. Well, one of the issues, I can't figure out if uh, the attorney actually represents them or if he's working on his own because this uh, debt was sold to United recovery, and then it came back to the attorney, back to Capital One. So what the hell's going on there? Well, now, how do you know it was sold to United Recovery? Well, they, they tried to collect on, on us. Oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't mean it was sold. Okay. See, that there's a difference between being assigned to a company for collection and then that uh, going back to the original creditor and then, you know, they can assign it to multiple third-party debt collectors. That doesn't mean they sell it to them. And okay. United Recovery is not a debt buyer, to my knowledge. I see. All right, that contingency answers collector. Um, for a motion for uh, summary judgment, do we need to request a judicial notice of the evidence? No. No, whatever evidence you have to argue it, you have to provide that uh, as supplemental exhibits to your opposition to their motion for summary judgment. Right. I'm just wondering because in California, you're supposed to get the judicial notice of the facts. Uh, but apparently in Texas, that, that doesn't work the same way. No. California is a different animal. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you you got to stay within the uh, uh, the rules of the jurisdiction, of course, where the uh, proceedings are. If the proceedings are in Texas, like this situation, you got to go by the Texas rules of civil proceedings. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the original invitation cited the important disclosures in terms of offer on the back of the letter, but there was no document. Uh, uh, you know that was produced at that time. Does, does that mean there was ever a contract or not? I I can't answer that because I don't know what the documents say. I don't I don't know what they look like. I don't know what you know no. what is there, what is said. Okay. Can't make a determination well, on that based on the information I have. But the the interesting thing, Dave, if you if he was to look on the complaint to see what the counts are. If one was for, you know, breach of contract, well, if there wasn't a written agreement there, then you might not have a contract. But if they went for a count stated theory, and depending on the, the way the law is on your state, under account stated, if he took money, whether there was a written agreement or not, and he didn't pay it back, then, yeah, they can sue on that. So that's why okay. they usually do both. You know, breach of contract, account state, um, uh, account stated theory, and they also do unjust enrichment because yeah. you took it and you didn't pay it back. 
Yeah, that's what they're uh, arguing, actually. So it's good to know. Quantum Marut. Pardon? Quantum Marut is the unjust enrichment. Oh, okay. That's the legal term. All right. Uh, thank you so, very much. So yes? if you're going to deny it, you have to deny the account completely. Right. Yeah. Right. From what I remember last week in our discussion, it seemed like you, they've got a summary judgment coming up within a matter of days on that thing, don't they? Uh, actually, a week and a half. Week and a half. Okay. Um. So, I I have to put in a response here before Friday, which is seven days until the summary judgment hearing. Yeah. Well, uh, like, remember the key on a, a opposition to a summary judgment is you have to show the court where there are issues of genuine issues of material fact before the court, which would prohibit a summary judgment. That yeah. has to be the focus of what you do. Right. I've done, I've done this once before, and I uh, understand that. All right. Thank you very much. All righty. You're very welcome. All right. Who else has got questions for us tonight? We don't have a huge crowd. It is so nice out. I don't know about everybody else, but it is just absolutely beautiful in, in Dallas. Uh, we had a high of 74 today. We had a cold front come through, and uh, yesterday it was uh, uh, warmer. But uh, it's just absolutely gorgeous weather in this time of the year. I know there's a lot of people that are busy doing a lot of uh, other things or enjoying themselves before the cold, the cold, cold weather gets here. Although uh, up in Wichita, uh, night before last, it was or morning before last, it was 39 degrees. We're supposed to be down to uh, 48 here tonight, which is well, we're getting, lovely. We're getting 37, which is a low, but the days are absolutely beautiful. But, you know, I'm sitting in here maxi-tasking tonight, making dead skin. <laughs> making dead skin. Dead skin and wounds, prostheses for the makeup job. Oh, 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 okay. okay. They, they still think they have to give me half. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Yep. Get it where you can. They're accepting <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Well, once again, everybody, uh, you know, if you've got a question or a comment, star eight is the way you put yourself in the queue. Uh, if we don't have anybody that uh, comes up with uh, questions or, or comments here uh, fairly soon, we can go ahead and wrap things up. You know, we're, we're not here to make noise and take up space. We're here to help people and the whole purpose is to, to do that. And if we're not in a position where we're doing that, there isn't any point in us being here and, and saying, uh, uh, hello to each other 25 times. All right. We've got a couple of people that have, uh, raised their hands here. Let's go to Northern Louisiana. You've been unmuted. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, Dave, in reference to this, uh, the MDL, and now you say that, that they are opening up another MDL. Uh, is it not the, the same thing? No, 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 it's the same MDL. What they're going to do is they had another individual that had filed a class action, but that individual 
has just recently come in and said they uh, they want to dismiss and leave. So what they're doing is the other people, uh, they've got two other individuals that had suits in there, and they're going to basically use them to set up another class action for those people that want to uh, be a part of that. And again, that would be for violations that occurred after the cutoff for the first uh, class action suit. That's where the difference comes in. But that would be, you know, starting another whole class action deal in the same MDL. So, you know, how long would that go on? They'd have to go through all of the discovery and all that kind of stuff on there or come to some kind of an agreement. So, um uh, it's it's a matter of those those people that are left that opted out of the first class, and of course I opted all of my cases out. So uh, it's all still the same MDL, same judge. Uh, Michael Anello is the uh, judge. So we'll just have to wait and see. So if you opt out, it wouldn't affect you. Well, yeah, I, I, if I was in that, I would opt out. But then supposedly they're going to have to, uh, I would opt out at the time that I would have the opportunity to opt out, which is when they reach a class settlement. See, everybody would be basically included in the settlement unless you opt out again, as far as I know. That's as far as I know. Now, um, you know, this, uh, the MDL stuff is, a, a, it's just a real different deal. It okay. really is. So. All right. Okay, because we we was in that and and we opted out of the first one. That's why we don't have to opt out again on anything. Okay. Well, if anything, are you in as pro se? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, you will be notified. No, no, we was no, no, not in the second one. In the first one, we we was in it and we opted out of it. That's what I'm saying. But so you're still in the MDL, and for whatever happens. Anything happens, you will be notified as a pro se litigant uh, as to you know what is happening. You'll get notices. Okay. All right. Uh, now I am just uh, I'm going to go here to the Southern District of California, and I'm going to see if I can do a quick search and look at the docket here. see if I can come up with this. Uh, well, doggone it. Not wanting, it's not wanting to let me do what I'm trying to do here. I don't know why. Pacer's being uncooperative. telling me it's an invalid case number, and I know better. Well, I'll do this at, at a point in time when I'm, I'm not on the call here. We'll put this on hold, but I will uh, definitely be going in to uh, check and uh, 
see what the situation is there. Now we've got somebody else with a hand up here. We're going to go all the way up to New Hampshire. You are unmuted as well. Hello, New Hampshire. Hello. I didn't have you unmuted me, but I didn't unmute me. <laughs> um, on the 30-day, well, on the, you have the right to dispute the debt. If you get two communications from the same party, but you later find out that... Whoa, whoa wait a minute. We, you got a bunch of noise there. It's, I know. I'm just... I got two communications from the same party. One said I had two, two letters. Like, one was a letter, and one was a letter attached with a notice of intent to foreclose. They were from the same party, but when they filed the foreclosure, it turns out one she's in two different locations, acting in two different capacities. Can I make the claim that the one was I was able to dispute the debt, and the other one came from her as another capacity that didn't give me the opportunity? Well, to well, the debt? Wait, well, no, wait a minute. You're, this is kind of vague on, on what's going on here. Let's start with the first communication. What was it? What exactly was it? And when did you receive it? August 28th, I received a notice of acceleration. That was that and, this year? Hmm? Was that this year? Yes. Okay, August 28th, you received a notice of acceleration from who? Uh, Theologiu. Who? Her name was Diane Theologiu. She did it on Silverman and Theologiu letterhead, but it was unsigned. Well, but who who is the uh, uh, alleged creditor? Ariel. Ariel what? A private money lender. Okay, you're talking about a private money lender. Yeah. Okay. So you have a private money lender, and you got a notice of acceleration from an attorney on their behalf, correct? Yes. Okay. The same day, I got certified a notice of acceleration that said I may have breached the terms of my agreement, and it included a notice of intent to foreclose from the same party. From the same attorney on behalf of the same party? Yes. Okay. So you've got conflicting notices. Yes. And when I sent the debt validation, I got the uh, accounting back that doesn't match the terms. They found, hmm, I'm getting ahead of myself, on October 11th, they filed intent to foreclose, they they filed the foreclosure suit. The attorney, Diane Theologiu, is acting in one position as an attorney located at some place in Rockville, and her name is also at a place in Laurel. When I did research on the Laurel location, that's for McCabe and Weisberg. It's not 
Silverman and Theologian. Well, that's uh, that's not going to be have anything to do with whether the, the terms uh, of the loan were complied with or not. Well, that's, that's there is a question there. Why you know why is there uh, is, is she uh, is she stating in both places that she's representing the same creditor though? Yes. Okay. So, Just because she she lists two different offices uh, where stuff came from, that's that's not something that's going to interfere with the. Uh, no, it's not. She did not list. They came from two different offices. They came from the same office, but she is not located in Laurel at the address and the suite number given for her. McCabe and Weisberg and Fanny and Freddie are there. Okay. Did one of can I say that one of them came from her as the debt collector collecting for it it just seems to me with the two different locations she might have been hiding that she was collecting for someone other than who she said she was. Well, you'd have to get into that in discovery. Can you make the claim? Well, she's a lawyer, right? She's a she's lawyer, a, correct? And did you well, check the state bar listing? She's a lawyer firm? at a debt collection agency. The, the Silverman and Theodore is a debt collection law firm. Okay. And in her profile on there, she collects mm-hmm. debt for real estate transactions and okay. debt foreclosures. Uh-huh. It 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 one which firm is she listed with? Silverman and Theologio. And so is I think that, when she's there, she's acting as capacity for Silverman and Theologio Debt Collection Agency. But when she's at the Laurel location, I think she's the attorney for McCabe and Weisberg. No, but let me ask you this: on the um, on the State Bar Association website. Who does it say she has her shingle hung with? Silverman and Theologio. Well, then she could be a contract worker for the other law firm because sometimes lawyers do that. They they yeah. lease themselves out. But the the but she didn't reveal any relationship to McCabe and Weisberg or any entity they're working with. She's not required to. Isn't that hiding a party from me? No. She's not a party to the foreclosure. She's just acting on behalf of the creditor. Right. She's just a debt collector. But if the creditor is Ariel, how can McCabe and Weisberg be there? They could have two firms represent them. You see, the, the issue is between you and the creditor, not you and the lawyer. The lawyer is representing the creditor. Are you trying to do a complaint for FDCPA? Yeah. Okay. And um, so you're not going to sue the Ariel company, correct? I think I should since the debt that they have attached as verification. They're using the deed of trust and the note. 
to enforce the debt that they have prescribed to it through the payoff calculations. But they're the original creditor, are they now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Original creditors are excluded. Yeah. They're not subject to the FTCPA. Right. So you would not sue them. You would go after whoever is trying to collect them. Attorney or law firm. Right. And and since you have a question of the law firms, however you want to read that, if if you feel you have a valid claim that way, you could sue the lady and both law firms and let the judge sort it out. If you have if you have competent evidence that you can put forward and say, Well look, here's here's where one was collecting and here's where the other was collecting. But just be sure that she isn't like leasing, subleasing office space or something. And then the question revolves around, though, if that other law firm, you said Fannie and Freddie, if the law firm wasn't doing a flat rate deal where, you know, sometimes they they use the lawyer's name and their own address and, and it's a pre, you know, like a form letter they send out, which can be a violation of FDCPA. So, well, I shouldn't have Fannie and Freddie on 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 the private money. No, but the but the well, why not? Private lo- There's a lot of people that are private lenders. Okay, say say um, say I loan Dave because I always pick on Dave. Say I loan Dave a hundred thousand dollars, and I gave I give him a loan for twelve percent interest because he's got bad credit and everything, and he's desperate for the money. I can turn around two weeks later and sell that loan and discount it down to like 9% or 8%, which is still a really good return for someone. And I make cash on the barrelhead right there in the beginning. I make the difference in the interest rate. And that happens a lot. So unless you send a debt validation letter, you don't know. Yeah, the only thing they gave me back was the note, the deed of trust, and this supposed accounting where they applied a flat in, a flat principal every month. It, it was done like a car loan. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when I amortized it out, it, 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 the last payment would have been 71.88%. <laughs> if my loan was to be paid as per their schedule. And did you did you look at what you signed? Yes. And how was that spelled out? It was spelled out zero balance at thirty six payments. Uh when I amortized the calculations they gave me it was uh three thousand nine hundred and some dollars that would be due after the thirty six payment. And so what are you going to sue him for? For collecting a debt that I didn't agree to. They've presented a debt that I didn't agree to. Well, there's no provision in the FDCPA for that. There is a provision for uh, uh, misrepresenting the amount and character of a debt, which is 1692E2. 
Right. right. And I, w- I was doing that, and, and how I was going to phrase it is they, if they misrepresented the character of the debt, that the, that the debt relates to the deed and trust in the note, that the debt doesn't conform to the terms of that deed and trust in the note, then they've misrepresented that that debt is related well, to it. The, the, yeah. The amount they're trying to collect doesn't conform to it, so they're misrepresenting the amount and character of the debt. Are they not? Yes, that's that's what I, I that's what I put down. Right. I think the hard part is going to be separating the agreement that I did have and get not let them allow anything that happened in that agreement to come into this action. I don't understand. Well, that's exactly what, what they're going to do is they're going to go that oh she admits the debt. Here's the agreement. Dismiss. I didn't. I am not. I never admitted the debt. I've always said this is not my debt. Well, but the the whole point is they're misrepresenting the amount and character of a debt. Okay. First of all, you know, when when you make that allegation, don't they first of all have to prove there was a debt and that what they're trying to collect it conforms with the terms of that debt? They have to be able to prove the debt and then whatever the terms were that they are uh, attempting to collect within the terms of that debt. Otherwise, they're misrepresenting it, are they not? Yes. Okay, well, that's the road that you have to go down in your lawsuit, and you do that through discovery. Now, would I put the deed of trust and the note in as my proof that it doesn't conform, or just the amortization schedule, I got a closing? No, you, you don't put anything in when you file a lawsuit. Generally, all you have to do is make a plausible claim. You're, you, you're not proving your lawsuit when you file a complaint. A complaint is what's known as a notice pleading. That's telling somebody, I'm putting you on notice. I have a claim against you. You are doing this in violation of federal law, you know, statute, this statute or that statute. That's all a complaint is. It's after that, then you deal with your discovery. You go through your interrogatories, your admissions, your production of documents, and then let's say you get to the summary judge, judgment stage and you, uh, you deal with that accordingly. But you can get information through discovery in a federal lawsuit that can help your state lawsuit where they filed a foreclosure against you. And when you, when, you write your federal, when you write your federal lawsuit, be sure... In what in your wherefore, what you ask for, you ask for da- actual damages in the amount of any loss incurred as a result of lawsuit number so and so in such and such a court. Okay. Because you're, you you put that out there, you get that in before there's any adjudication of the state case. That way, if it, it turns out there's a, a you know a fraudulent situation in the state case, and you get uh, hammered there, you've got your uh, claim already in your federal court because you can't bring it in later. Right. 
When I file the suit, do I put any evidence in? What did I just say? That's what I was just talking. What I was just talking about is you're not. You don't prove your case. You don't put all your evidence in and try and prove your case when you do your complaint. All that is is just a notice pleading. That's telling them, I've made a claim against you. We're going to start dancing. And then you go forward from there. But your complaint has to be plausible under the Twombly and Iqbal standards. Those are uh, Supreme Court decisions. When the court reads your complaint, it has to make enough sense and be plausible on its face that you've got a claim. You know, if if you write some ridiculous nonsense and the court can't even understand it, they're going to go, I have no idea what this means. This isn't plausible. Dismissed. It has to be written properly, and you have to uh, show where there is, you have a plausible claim, where you have a, a plausible argument about something that that has happened. Okay. Otherwise, you face dismissal. So I didn't have to rework. I, I put ex- the way I was wording it was with exhibits. I was proving my case with the filing, and I. I just oh, need no, to rework no. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's that's not how well, the process I, I, I works. Can, I can say um, that the amortization schedule was to be zero, and theirs would appear to be half a balance of thirty nine thousand. Can I say that? Well, the the you can go through and list your uh, uh, facts of the case, your uh, factual allegations. You know, entered into a, an agreement. Uh, where contracts said this, and uh, the uh, they are attempting to enforce an agreement that says that instead of this. Okay. Therefore, in, in in the process of doing that, they have misrepresented the amount and character of the debt. Okay. So, yeah, I got most of it then. I just got to rework attached here too. <laughs> go go out and read some complaints. Please go out and read at least 10 or 15 complaints, FDCPA complaints by lawyers. Go out and find them on the internet. Don't don't do don't read them from pro se's. Read right. them from lawyers and and see what you've got to have in there. You have to have jurisdiction, you have to have venue, you have your factual allegations and then your count 1, count 2, whatever, you know, you have so that you do it right, because if you don't do it right, your chances of dismissal skyrocket. Right. Okay, thank you. Okay, you're welcome. All right. Now, I don't see another hand up here. If somebody has a question or a comment, Hit star eight, please. That'll put you in the queue, and then we can take your question or comment. And we're going to go to Demond. You are unmuted. Go ahead. Demond, you had your hand up. I've unmuted you. Please talk to us. Okay. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. So I filed 
um, I got five complaints going under FCRA. Well, wait a minute. You have five different lawsuits? Yes. Oh, that's a mistake. That is a definite mistake. You should not be doing, if unless you are extraordinarily experienced and a lawyer, you shouldn't have five complaints going at once. Ah, too late for that now. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. We, we do them one at a so time. Good. Even if, even if as as much experience as I've got, the max I would have would be two. So, yeah, you've you've invited yourself into potential trouble. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. So the first one, um, this company is Hillcrest something and associates they never answered never never uh never answered what never answered the complaint never answered the summons never uh hired an attorney so i filed a motion for default judgment i'm waiting on that to be answered from the clerk or the magistrate um the well you one, you got it you go for your clerk's default first and then you do your motion for default judgment after that. Okay. So, yeah, that's what we're waiting on, the, the, the clerk default. Okay. So the second one, they they responded with an attorney, um, did the appearance and everything. The, the attorney just denied, 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 and uh, filed, motion for, filed a motion for dismissal based on 12B6. But mm-hmm. in my complaint, in my wherefore, I show, you know, the time they 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 being the collection agency purchased um, purchased the account and started reporting in my credit report. Um, so I go. Well, oh, let me back up. I did the um the debt validation. They never validated the debt. Then I filed a complaint. So from the time, the 30 days from the, the, the no response from the debt validation, I filed a complaint and I started counting in my credit report back. So I came up, I don't know, just for number's sake, it was 10000 I don't know what it was exactly. I don't have it in front of me. But I put that in my wherefore. Is that the relief that can be granted because that's what their that's what their motion for dismissal is based on no relief can be granted no they're <laughs> when they say uh it should be dismissed because no relief can be granted means you haven't stated the case uh, a a a case where uh there's any chance you could win that's all that means you don't get into putting all the dollar amounts and everything in a wherefore. Oh, so they that is basically their response because there there is the violation. They reporting in my credit report and their collection agency. Well, the, what you, but when you uh you file a lawsuit, somebody files a motion to dismiss, you have to argue the points that they make in their motion to dismiss. 
each specific reason that they give for uh, the court to dismiss it, you have to specifically argue that and show the court where that's not correct. Whether they're misleading the court or you know whatever, you have to point to uh, point to evidence that. Uh, uh, you know the statements you've made in your complaint, where you know it's it's plausible and uh, it it should go forward uh, for consideration by the court. Okay. But you have to argue each one of those points. That's that's one of the things when it comes to legal work. Whatever the other side says, you know, points one, two, three, four, and five, you have to argue points one, two, three, four, and five. You can't just argue one, two, and three. Yeah, they only coming back with the the no relief can be granted. That's their that's that's it. Well, so I'm doing the night. Well, but they they said no relief. They had to say more than that. What what did they say? Uh, I'm telling you, based on they say uh, motion to dismiss. Um, it's not even a whole like motion. It's just a letter to really. Um, I'm gonna read it to you. Pursuant to Federal Rule Civil Procedure um, P12B6, motion to dismiss. And then they put a brief in the support for a motion to dismiss, but I don't have the brief in front of me. Well, yeah, see, the brief is where the arguments are. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's that's where all your arguments are. That's what you got to get in. You got to read that and that you got to argue their points on, you know, they say it should be dismissed because of this, 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 and this. Well, you've got to go in there and you've got to argue this, 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 and this specifically and show where, uh, where they're saying is incorrect. Gotcha. Okay. 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 All right. So that's case number two. What about the other three? You said you had well, five cases. Yeah, don't no, please, I, please, oh. you guys, don't ever do that. Oh no, please don't do that. One at a time, please. Go ahead. The other, let's see, that's one. The first one didn't respond at all. Filed a motion on that one. That's the second one. They did the brief and the motion to dismiss. Um, and then the other, the, the other two. Still haven't responded. I got one more that pretty much did the same thing, denied, denied, denied my claim, and then filed a motion to dismiss under 12B6. So I'll do it a brief with that one, and I'll just go back and comb through that. And uh, Yeah, pose. but you, you've, you've got to take each one and each argument that they make, and they're, they're saying it should be dismissed because of A, Da 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 da. B da 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 da. C and D. You've got to go back in there and say, uh, you know, the defendant argues uh, point A that it should be dismissed because of such and such and so and so. But the truth is that uh, 
such and such and so and so happened, not what the defendant said. And there is a uh, legitimate claim made here, and uh, discovery will uh, uncover additional evidence to support the plaintiff's claims, something like that. You know, you you got to go, uh, you know, I'd have to see what they're saying. But you have to take each point that they make and you have to argue it because if you don't, they'll get it dismissed. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So, and then the one, you know, the it, one. The brief, just, you know, you guys, a brief is just, that's your section of argument just for the new people that are getting their feet wet in this and they don't understand. You can have a motion and then brief in support of motion. That's evidently what you have there. They filed the motion. The motion is just going to be real. Uh, that can be one little paragraph. You know, the defendant files this uh, motion under Rule 12b-6, uh, uh, FRCP uh, 12b-6, such and such and so and so. And then behind that, they have a brief in support of that motion. It's the brief has all the arguments in it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Then the other one, the last one they asked, they actually, they actually offered me um, a telephone conference for settlement or discuss settlement. Yeah, well, talk to them. Yeah. If yeah, you're not yeah. if you're not discussing settlement, how would you ever reach one, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, actually, we set up a date for the 25th of October for that one, so that's kind good. of moving forward pretty good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Yep. All right. But yeah, the the other ones, the other ones, you got to get into those briefs and see what their arguments are, and you've got to argue them point for point. problem i kind of jumped out the window i'm having fun it is it's, it's all in the, in the process yeah, yeah. well i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna say one more time for everybody don't do what this guy did don't go out there and file five lawsuits please one at a time all right appreciate it talk to you soon all right you're welcome All right, let's go to Northwest Ohio. You are unmuted. Go ahead. Uh, for, the formula for filing five lawsuits is have five attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's one of the worst things you could do in this lifetime, <laughs> is have to deal with five attorneys. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just a little humor. Um. Have you been aware of the situation in Vegas? The security guard disappeared. Well, I've heard that, yeah. I don't believe everything you hear out there. Well, it just come out. He left after... Um, I think Fox News. After he, what? After he left the... Um, it, was a, it was a clinic for his gunshot to his uh, his uh, leg. He disappeared. Well, I've I've read something about he disappeared, but here again, there's don't believe everything that Dave, floats around I, out there on the internet. Dave, I, I just saw some I just saw some coverage on that on Fox. He really did disappear. Yeah, yeah. 
the that's next just it, everybody. We we don't know about this stuff, and I'll tell you what. I hope everybody is real careful about disinformation. And the other question I have for everybody is, if he did or he didn't disappear, what the hell does that mean to you? What are you going to do about it? And my answer to that is real simple. Nothing. <laughs> I just changed my, my vacation plans not go to Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, guess, I think I think Las Vegas is probably pretty darn safe right about now. Yeah, now it is. <laughs> yeah. Let Let me give you something that you you would you I think you'll find I'm sure you maybe you already know it maybe maybe I'd send it to you about the uh, Supreme Court ruling in Maine on the mm. foreclosures. Yeah, is that the one that you, that was long quite some time back, right? No, 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 no. There's, there's a recent ruling that may stop foreclosures in the uh, complete United States. Yeah, no. I saw that. that yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, you did not send that to me, Roger. I'm not aware of that. Well, I have to get spanked, and you're getting lax in your internet communications, Roger. <laughs> yeah, that's not all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was. Being generous, I wasn't going to bring up the other things. Right. <laughs> Anyways, I just think that is super. My my evaluation might be a little different than others, but as you know, I've been trying to to strategize a way to get facts and findings of law to be the mainstream for exposing the the counterfeit and the fraud that has been going on. Oh, yeah. And and the thing of it is, um, I use the same strategy as I did in the RICO case. You don't pick on the biggest dog in the, in the park. You pick on the little one because if the little one is, is uh, you win, then your first, second, third party liability gets the big dog. In this situation, Maine would be not a big state with a lot of power, very small population on and on, and that seemed to be a good place to do battle to win on these issues of counterfeit securities. Yeah, on those merits, yeah. And it seems, it's it's kind of foggy to me, that's the reason I wanted you to read it, it's out there, it's kind of foggy, I need I need some, I'm not as sharp as you, thank God. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, need you to take a look. It it has a lot to do with. Well, I think send it to me so I can look at it because I okay. I haven't seen it. Okay, I think also you, um, it was it was I was trying to think who uh, it was it was on mainstream news, but um, I think also this has got a, a real claim <clears throat> when you're bringing that issue in any form as the question is who has standing to bring a claim and if they don't have a, sta- a, a standing if they don't have the appropriate standing 
then they have committed fraud. And so many times you see, well, they sold it to this company, and then they sold it to this company, and they sold it to this company. Well, you win at one level, and then they come after you again. But the thing of it is, what this is relating to is, if someone gets a copy of whatever, they don't have standing. You can't start collecting or start a, a collection company <laughs> with copies. You have to have, for lack of a better word, the security instrument. You have to have a contract. You have well, to have an account-level you know, documentation. There's some right. really huge ones that got big without even that. Don't even have copies of that. You know, Encore Capital Group, Portfolio, Sherman Industries, they don't even have a copy of a copy. All they have is fragmented data on a spreadsheet and not one other damn thing. Mm -hmm. We deal with that on an everyday basis. But I did establish at the 11th that if challenged, they better produce it or back off. Well, what they're, what they're, if I read this ruling right, they're stating that someone that brings a fraudulent action, and I, I know the statute, what they're looking at, it's Title 281361, that you use anything to obtain something of value that is fraud, that's 10 years. Yeah, so, if, only, if only we could get the courts to start enforcing that. Yeah, I was well, just going to say, where's the enforcement? Well, you're absolutely 100% right, but it doesn't mean you can't put it on the record. Well, yeah, I mean, you you can you can try that, but, you know, that's been done over and over again, as far as I know. Well... But the courts, the courts just turned a blind eye to it. Because, of the you know, the courts are owned by the banks. Well, I had a situation, and I, I've kind of let it go by the wayside, but I had a, a situation where a judge looks at that and reads that, and he says, where do you get this? I'm thinking to myself, if this is, he's trying to get a, a gold star or an A+, plus, he's just flunked the, the test. It's, it's a federal statute. You know, it's nothing new under the sun. It was new to him. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not the way we do things. Who was it that said ignorance is no defense? Oh, I left out one thing. Ignorance of the law is no yeah. defense. Ignorance of the law is no defense. Yep. I, yeah, I rest. I rest. Oh, yeah. If this thing, I don't know how big this case is and is going to expand to in in Maine, but I'm telling you this this could be a this could be a real really a a good well, tool. Yeah, send it to me so I've got it. All right. I uh, I can text it to you on your cell. No, that doesn't work on that. Oh, okay. I'll yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, forget that texting stuff. I don't text. All right. Like I got to get out my 
why do you think I got a 32-inch monitor in front of me? Why do I want to look at a postage stamp and try and read something? Because <laughs> you're special, that's why. Yeah, because I'm special. I'm also uh, of the older generation, and I don't text. I know there's some, uh, I see uh, any number of people texting. Well, guess what? That's one bad habit I haven't acquired yet, and I don't think I ever will. My thumbs are still relatively limber, but I, I, I prefer typing with all of my fingers instead of my thumbs. I, my thumbs are usually used on the uh, uh, space bar. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you explained that. I, I was having a rough time figuring that one out. Yeah, right. Okay. Smart-ass kids. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Well, I want to find out if anybody else has got any uh, comments or questions. If you do, star eight, put your hand up. Otherwise, we'll wrap it up for tonight. Because uh, I want to go find out what's going on in the MDL in California. Let's go back to northern Louisiana. Would it be would it be possible to get the uh, the name of that case, Dave? Name of what case? The one that Roger was talking about. I have no idea what it is. I mean, if Roger can tell you what it is. Hold on a second. I can tell you. It's a really long second, Roger. I'm going back through everything here and trying to find it. <clears throat> okay. It's www.courts.main.gov forward slash opinion orders forward slash supreme forward slash law court 2017 forward slash 17me19.pdf. So it's a Supreme Court case? Yes. Okay, thank you very much. You, you want to read that back? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it back off the off the uh, tape. Oh, okay, good deal, good deal. That makes sense. Yeah, it's it's like I'm saying, I, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a college degree in this stuff, so I'm I'm just taking this with with. Uh, a grain of salt. It was argued May 12, 2017. It's docked. Let me let me see if I can give you the the the, uh, the case number in the file. Um. No, I've got I've got it. It was decided September 7th, as I um, see. If that helps. Roger, who is who is the, the plaintiff and the defendant? Yeah, okay. Parties. 
Okay. Yeah. Federal National Mortgage Association. Okay. Patricia Patricia W. D E S C H A I N E at all. Okay, that that should be sufficient. And it, it it's going. It's got Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. It's got all all the all the right people. Yeah. Okay. What was what was that last uh, name again? The person's name. D E S C H A I N E. The shame. Okay. Because I'm, I'm I'm very interested in standing. Yeah, Fannie Mae versus DeShane. And okay. I will just... Okay, thank you very much, Dave. And thank you, Roger. You're welcome. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Will do. Justia.com, there we go, Supreme uh, Second Foreclosure Action by Fannie Mae against Patricia and Paul DeShane. Uh, Main Supreme Judicial Court, docket, this PEN-16. Dash three one six decided September seventh, but again that's the main Supreme Judicial Court. Who would ever thought it? Yeah. I've got it up here. It's a twenty eight page decision. So let's see you you do a Google on that comes right up. So there you go. Glad I could be some help, guys. Well, I'm glad you could be some help, too. I don't have to look at a postage stamp. I've got it on a 24-inch monitor. Imagine that. Super, super, super. <laughs> Works for me. All right. Thank you, Roger. Well, you know how I am at digging up stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, if it's got to do with foreclosures, uh, Roger is, he's after it big time. Okay, well, I'm going to go back here and see if we've got anybody else that's raised a hand. We have guest five that has raised a hand. You are unmuted. Go ahead. Um, Hey, Dave. Um, I have a question. Good. On uh, September 13th, I looked at my credit report, found that Aquin had two entries, one dated uh, uh, July 31st, 2017, which is the most recent. Is this a a poll or what? This is um, a trade line or a poll or what? How do you mean a poll? A credit poll, a credit it inquiry. Is, it is, is that what you're um, talking about, or are you talking about a, uh, a trade line? Credit, line credit item? Rep- 
court and one of my, and Aquin, who's my servicer, had two entries. One yeah, but, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying, the entries in your credit report, is it a line item, a what's known as a uh, trade line, or is it showing that they obtained your credit report twice? Oh, no, which, no. Which uh, are you talking about? It's a line. Oh, okay. And so um, on September 30th of 2013, it says account closed, and it says you have paid off 100% of your real estate loan amount. And Is that correct? No, but it says it says that, and then on the most recent, it says uh, reported July thirty first that I owe one hundred and forty seven and change. So, what would be the reason for that? Do you figure? Well, I, I don't know. What you've got to do is you've got to uh, dispute that information with the CRA. I have, and also um, with Aquin, um, and they haven't gotten back to me. When did you dispute it? Um, Just recently? Um, yes. Um, well, let's see. I have sent them this information. You should have copies of your dispute documents. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, on September 20th. Okay. Well, they've still got time to respond yet. All right. They I have to respond within 30 days. And it was the only one, because um, the other two, Trends um, Union and Equifax, didn't have. It was just Experian where they showed up? Yes. Okay. Well, you do your disputes, and then you have to wait and see what you get back as far as, you know, a response from your disputes. All right. It's a it's a situation of hurry up and wait. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have long to wait because they, they have to uh, provide a response here within a few days. Today being the 16th, they need to respond within 30 days so if you did that the 20th of last month uh, you know if they received it on that day you know they have 30 days to respond from the date they receive your dispute now if you send it on the 20th maybe they didn't get it till the 24th or something who knows you know if you send it certified mail which you always should yes, then you, you should be able to look at the postal service and see when they actually got it that's when the clock starts so a little more patience, wait and see what you get back, and then go from there, right? Good. Thanks so much. Okay, you're welcome. All right, take care. Yep, you start the process, and uh, a part of you know being involved in the process, everybody, is you have to understand the parameters of it. You know, uh, when you do a dispute, how long does the other party have to uh, respond to your dispute? In the case of an FDCPA, do they have to respond to your dispute and the answer to that is no but if they don't they better stop collecting so you know here again this is all about understanding the law understanding what the statute actually says 
so that when you are making arguments and dealing with them, you know exactly what to expect. And, uh, you know, if, if uh, like with the F, uh, FCRA, when you make a dispute to the CRAs, they have to respond within uh, 30 days. And they may say that it's going to take a little bit longer, and they will respond to you within 45 days. But they can't just ignore you. Anyway, it's it's all about understanding the law, understanding what the statutes actually say. And that's why we have these calls to answer those questions. So I'm glad we were able to do that. All right, one more time, everybody. Uh, we're running down toward the end of the call, but uh, I don't see another hand up here. We've had people kind of popping up and asking various things, which is great. That's why we're here is to try and assist you guys with what you're doing. But if nobody else has any uh, questions or comments on things, I'll go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, I, I had one 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 off what one off topic comment. Go ahead. I got a, I got an email today for a uh, petition to have CNN be forced to register as a DNC super PAC. <laughs> I haven't gone out and looked at the website yet, but uh, I'm considering it. I think that would be good. Yeah. Let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. Exactly. Well, they they lose their uh, FCC licensing if they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what that could be better? Oh, yeah. Well, I, the only thing better than that is you just never turn them on. You know, this is something that I've been going to talk about, and Terry and I had a discussion about this the other day. And I'm glad you brought this up, John, because we've got a little bit of time here. And I'll lead you off on the trail. Oh, <laughs> well, you, you, you tickled something in me that I've been wanting to say for quite a, quite a period of time. And I want to explain my viewpoint on something. And maybe other people don't view things the way I do. But I'm going to suggest maybe it might be in the best interest for a whole lot of people in this country to take the same view that I have. Because if they did, things would change dramatically in this country. And I do mean dramatically. In capital letters, 300 feet high and blinking neon. Yes, that big. It would have that big of an effect. If the people in this country would just do what I do, and they could. It's all a matter of choice. It's strictly choice. If they would just do what I do, things would change dramatically. You see, I have no idea what's on CNN for very simplistic reasons. I don't turn it on. I don't have cable TV. 
I could have cable TV. And let's say I did have cable TV. I would not turn on CNN. And if everybody followed that, that's got a half an ounce of brains, how long do you think they would stay on the air? Spewing fake news. And being a propaganda source for anyone other than the dipsticks that'll listen to them. You see, I don't listen to mainstream media. I don't turn on ABC. I don't turn on NBC. I don't turn on CBS or MSNBC or CNBC or CNN or any of the rest of them. What is the lifeblood of any broadcaster, any television broadcaster? It's eyes and ears, everybody. And if all of a sudden they didn't have but a handful of eyes and ears, how long do you think they'd stay on the air? How long do you think their advertisers would pay them money and keep them in business? If we know that the mainstream media is fake news, and we know that while there is probably some truth in what is said, but we don't know how to separate the wheat from the chaff. Why don't you just stay the hell out of the wheat field? Why don't you just get rid of it? Why don't you stop stop partaking in it? You don't have to make those choices. There's lots of other sources of information in this information world we live in, there's a very specific group of broadcasters that we know, it's better known as the mainstream media. Get rid of them and put them away. Dave? Yes. I want to add something there that that is a a litmus test that I think that... 12 or 12.30, something like that. Sorry. We can hear you talking. Oh, I'm sorry. My husband asked me a question. I thought I was muted. Go ahead, Roger. Uh, one thing that and maybe maybe I'm maybe I come from a different understanding, but one thing when any time someone is talking, it's a communication. Unless, and if you study the uh, the um, techniques of persuasion and on and on and on, you'll learn to recognize certain things. For instance. Anytime you have a repetition of the same thing over and over and over and over, this this leads into uh, mind control or brainwashing. Yeah. All the news media, they pound it over and over and over and yeah, over again. Yeah, Roger, this is what I'm talking about. If you don't turn the boob tube on, you don't have to figure out anything. 
Well, that's true, but sometimes that that if if you you can't find out bad news if you don't find out good news and vice versa. Vice versa. So what what I'm what I'm saying is we have to start educating ourselves as human beings to be above uh, and know uh, what. In other words, when when a dog comes at you and bites you, you feel you know you see the dog come at you and bite you. But when when a, when an evangelist or somebody is brainwashing to get your money, like Ray Stevens says, yeah, uh, yeah, but Roger, you know what I mean. So yeah. the, the, the people have to recognize. People have to wake up. People have to think. And like you say, if you don't, if you're not involved, let, let's let's put it this way: Amish don't have televisions. Why? They don't want to listen to that nonsense. Okay, so they they live a lifestyle where they don't deal with this. Well, yeah, but Roger, okay, I I understand what you're saying there, and that and the Amish are a good example. Uh, the Amish, you know, you don't see the Amish starving to death because oh, no. they don't watch. T- well, just let me finish. Let me talk. You don't see the Amish starving to death because they don't have TV. You don't see me starving to death. Because I don't watch TV. Could I afford it? Could I could I turn my TV on? Yeah. But since we have gotten to the point where the great majority of what is on television today is there for a very very specific agenda and purpose rather than just information and truth why do you keep imbibing that's like drinking something you know is going to kill you and you keep drinking it just for the hell of it isn't it time to turn off the tube guys I mean, there's some things that you can watch on television that are for strictly entertainment purposes. But all of the BS with any of the news and these, you know, the Fox News programs and CNN, and don't, don't anybody tell me, oh, well, Fox has got everything right. That, they're fake news on a bunch of shit. They've got their agenda, just like the liberals have got their agenda. I don't want to listen to it. That's why I don't listen to it. I don't want to be fed a ration of BS. Now, the only way I can look at it is if somebody chooses to listen to their stuff, you want to be fed a ration of BS and you're just fine with it. And if you think that you can figure out everything of what's true and what's fake and what's an agenda and what is an agenda, you're only kidding yourself. And I don't care who you are. You may figure some of it out, but why expose yourself to it? Why not take that time that you'd spend with this intake of all the bullshit and the fake news and the agendas and put it towards something more productive? God knows there's plenty of books to read. There's lots of other ways to get information. I'm not uninformed, but I'm free of most of the bullshit because I choose to be. 
And I guess my big question is, why don't a lot more people make the same choice? And, you know, I'm still living. I still found out about sulfur. I still have money for groceries. I get my rent paid. I'm successful in lawsuits. But I don't listen to the bullshit. I have no intention of starting. So, you know, think about what I've said. Why even expose yourself to it? And I, I talk to people, I mention this, oh, well, I like this. Why? 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 It's noise. It's a bunch of freaking noise. It's this side, you know, the liberal progressive side is saying this, and then the other people are trying to counter it, and all it is is one big battle of words. It's a bunch of freaking noise. It's useless clutter. It's like standing out in the middle of the dump with all the paper and stink and dust and smell blowing all around you. Why do you want to stand out in the middle of the dump with all of this stuff swirling around you? Go to a nice, clean place where you have control over what's going on. Instead of inviting all of this into your life, your brain, your thought processes. I'm living proof that you can survive without it. And I've done it for years. And I'm exceedingly happy. And every once in a while, I turn the TV on and I just get local stations. And I watch the news, the local news. I never watch the national news, never. Absolutely never. But I watched the news tonight, and a good example was when I turned the news on tonight, and I I turned it off after I saw this, and this is on our local ABC affiliate here. Right up at the top of the news, they had that Mark Cuban, of course, you know, Mark lives here in Dallas. He owns the Dallas Mavericks, and, of course, they make a big deal out of the fact he's a billionaire. And... He's thinking about running for president. And boy, that was really something. And of course, they said, you know, he supported Hillary Clinton. And why does he want to run for president? Boy, they interviewed him. Oh, well, I don't like the job Trump is doing and this and that and so on and so forth. And they have, a, they've been doing a deal here for some time. I don't know when they started it. But they have people call, you know, text in their choices, however they do it. I don't even know because I don't pay any attention to it. They have these polls. But they said that uh, there was over 1,000 people that responded just during the short portion of the the newscast. And it was 55%, you know, and the the question was, would you vote for Mark Cuban for president? 55% no. 45% yes. But what did they highlight? What did they highlight? Oh, my God, there's 45% of the people who would vote for Mark Cuban. That was the big deal. It didn't, there was no emphasis whatsoever on the fact that 55% said no. It's all the bias. It comes through even on the local news. I saw that, and it's like, oh, more of this bullshit. Click. That was the end of the news tonight. If that's all the more important stuff that they got to try and feed me... I turn on the local news once in a while, not even every day, just so I have an idea of what's going on in my local community where I live. 
but I'm not going to listen to this kind of poison bullshit. And I hope maybe my comments tonight have provoked a little bit of thinking in people. You know, if you're inviting yourself out to the city dump amongst all the stench and the dust and the dirt and the garbage flying around, when you get dirty, don't blame me. It's your own fault. I stay in the cleaner part of town. Enough said. And I don't see that there's any other hands up, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap things up for tonight. Is, it, is that a rest? I rest my case. Thank you. <laughs> Tomorrow night, there is no call, everybody. It is the off week. No call Tuesday night, but Terry's going to have a Wednesday call, but she's, as usual, not going to have it on Wednesday night. She's going to wait till Thursday. She's kind of been putting things off for a while. So Thursday night at 8 o'clock Eastern time, if you're not on Terry's email list to get the reminders or the information she sends out, <coughs> send an email to queensongbird at gmail.com. Just say, please put me on the list. That's all you got to do. She's not going to send an email out every week. As a reminder, because she has limitations on her Internet where she lives now. She lives out in the country where she loves it. That's one of the drawbacks to living where she lives is uh, she has those kind of restrictions. But she's happy, and that's what counts. So uh, we will talk with you on Thursday night because I've got other things I'm going to be doing tomorrow night. I hope everybody has a great evening and a great uh Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'll talk with you guys on Thursday. Thank you, John. Thank you, Terry, for uh, joining me tonight. Thanks to everybody for uh, coming on the call. And as usual, please let other people know that we're here and this help is available to people. We don't have an advertising budget. The word of mouth is the way we do it, and we count on you guys to help with that. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everyone.